0: I'm Amy Hall. I'm here with Greg Kokel, and you're listening to Stand to Reasons, hashtag STRSk podcast. Yes, you are. Welcome, Greg. You, <laughs> All right, let's start with a question from Asif. Is it possible that Jesus has already come in a similar fashion as Elijah came as John the Baptist? A Muslim sect, the Ahmadis, has this kind of belief.
1: Well, I guess, you know, to be most charitable, anything that's possible is possible. But I remember, J, oops, I remember J.P. Moreland saying many years ago to someone who was being taking a critical position of something. He said, "Well, isn't it possible this alternate view that he was offering?" And he said, "Just because it's possible doesn't mean it's reasonable to believe it's the case." It's a great response and uh, something we ought to always hang on to. Just about anything is possible. Anything that's possible is possible. If that's the question, is it possible? I guess so. Is it possible Jesus is an alien from another planet who's posing as God? I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> but there's no good reason to believe that's the case. What you have to go with is the odds on favorite, it seems to me, if you're going to be reasonable. So, what would be the reason that Jesus? has come in in two different periods of time. We know scripturally that John the Baptist, though it's not even clear, it it doesn't seem to be claiming that in the case of uh John the Baptist that he came before and he's coming again, it's not the same individual. Okay? But there certainly is a a kind of typology John the Baptist that Elijah is coming, and John the Baptist is Elijah, kind of. He's not the same individual that's reincarnated as John. He's like Elijah, and we see some characterizations. And there's going to be Elijah that comes in the future, kind of. But that's a typology. It's not a reincarnation or a re-manifestation. Now, there's a lot of reason to believe that in a sense, Jesus showed up at other times. These are called Christophanies. That is when God presents himself present um, in some tangible physical form. So, when we see the um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel in the fiery furnace, there's another individual that is a looks like a divine figure that's in there with them. <clears throat> it's a pretty good guess that that's a Christophany that is the second person of the trinity that's manifesting himself in in that circumstance. So in that sense, I think in a certain sense Jesus Jesus is the name given to the person who is born on Christmas, you know, that's a name referring to his physical self. Okay, now sometimes we're not really careful about that. We say, well, Jesus showed up in the Old Testament in this way. Well, strictly speaking, if we want to be precise, it wasn't Jesus yet. It was the Word that became flesh later that showed up in a Christophany, a manifestation of God, or theophany would be another way of putting it. But Christophany focuses on this manifestation of the second person of the Trinity. And some would argue that All of the times where God shows up to speak, burning bush, uh, oaks of Mamre with Abraham, in the uh, furnace there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, those were all actually the Word, the the person who communicates, the person of God who communicates, manifesting Himself in some physical form. However, Jesus was an incarnation that is, the Word became flesh, took on to Himself an actual human body, not just the form or image or manifestation that we see in the Old Testament, burning bush, um, looking like a human at the Oaks of Mamre, etc., etc. So, uh, there is a sense that, arguably, Jesus showed up in the past, but not as an incarnation. The incarnation was unique. And it's not really even parallel to John the Baptist and Elijah, because John the Baptist and Elijah are two distinct historical figures that were similar to each other. And this is why Jesus could say, well, Elijah has shown up, if you care to accept it, referring to John the Baptist that there was a typology or a similarity there but it does appear that elijah in some fashion will show up as uh, in 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 the book of revelation which i think is revelation 11 you know the two witnesses or something but that's interpretive may not be the case but so there are distinctions here i would not say that there's any good reason to believe that the word showed up the second person of the Trinity, showed up in the flesh, incarnate, prior to the time of Jesus of Nazareth. And I don't know why anybody think, would have the reason to think well, so. Well,
0: you're talking about prior to—I think he's talking about after. So he's already come. I, I, I would assume they're talking about this the second coming here. Do you have any—
1: Could you read it again?
0: Is it possible that Jesus has already come in a similar fashion as Elijah came as John the Baptist— so I assume that's talking about the, the second coming.
1: Well, uh, again, uh, I know. It's unclear, no, but yeah. Okay. But pretty much my same—no, I guess I don't have any— <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: let, me, let me give a few Trash thoughts. Trash that it. <laughs>
1: first dialogue. <monologue, laughs> well, no, because okay.
0: it could be that's what they are claiming, yeah, so I'm not even sure. It is a little sure. bit
1: unclear, but no, uh, G- Jesus' return— is going to be visible, powerful, and conclusive. That's the way it's characterized in Matthew. Jesus characterizes it in Matthew 24. And in fact, I just read a summary of the basic eschatological views—premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial—and all the views hold to a visible return of Christ. They have different views about what the word millennium means and how that manifests itself in history as time goes on. But they all believe that Jesus is going to come back in the manner I just described, visible, powerful, and conclusive. And remember, that's Matthew 24, but in Acts chapter 1, Jesus um, ascends into heaven, and the angels show up after he's gone while the disciples are still looking around, gawking at the sky, and says, this Jesus, Will return in the same manner that he left. So, in the meantime, you got work to do, and so um, everything scripturally indicates that when Jesus returns, that will be the end of the age. It will be visibly, visible, powerful, and conclusive. And First uh, Corinthians fifteen, resurrection first Christ the fruit for first fruits then those who are his at his coming and then comes the end so it's it's just that's the whole end of everything when jesus returns on any understanding of eschatology so i don't see in any sense how this particular claim is justified
0: yeah i think that there is a, a definite distinction between john the baptist and what they say about elijah and jesus so here's from luke 117 It is he, this is talking about John the Baptist, it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. So this is what you were talking about being a type. It's not that he was actually Elijah. Whereas with Jesus, it's very clear there are specific things that Jesus is going to do. Um, Here's a verse. Let's see here. Um. this is Mark fourteen sixty two. Uh. you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And this is what you're talking about, Greg. We are all going to see him return. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be hidden. There's another verse where Jesus talks about if somebody says, you know, look here or look there, you know, right. don't...
1: That's Matthew 24.
0: Don't listen to them.
1: Yeah, he's in the inner room. He's up on the hill. Let's go see him.
0: Yeah, right. so it's pretty clear that we will all know when he is returned. It's Just not going to be the a question.
1: Lightning flashes from the east to the west. So shall the coming of the Son of Man. Be, yeah, as he puts it,
0: and he's going to judge, and that will be the end. Yeah. So there's no there's no possibility that, I mean, unless he's saying that somebody came in the spirit and power of Jesus and is not actually Jesus, but. Even if that, I mean, even if you were to claim that, there's no indication in the Bible that that was going to happen. And there's every indication that Jesus' second coming is not somebody coming in the spirit and power of him, but him actually coming, returning the same way he left Mm -hmm. and accomplishing certain ends. Mm -hmm. Okay, Greg, let's go on to the next question here. This one comes from Ronnie. What are the opposing arguments to the current New Testament academic scholar view, Allison, Ehrman, et cetera, that Jesus was an apocalyptic prophet who was ultimately wrong on his prophecy on a coming kingdom within his disciples' lifetimes?
1: Well, I guess the question is whether Jesus meant that the apocalyptic kingdom would arrive in their lifetime. It's interesting, I think this is a little bit hard one to answer, because the this whole notion is a bit tricky. Um, the early Church Fathers expected that they would see the Antichrist. It seems that that was an expectation a number of them had. And then when it was clear that that wasn't going to happen like post-haste, that's when the—curiously, <laughs> when there was more concern about officially formulating the canon, because now you have a delay that they didn't expect, and you also have um, false teachings that are arising from other people who are claiming to be somebody, like Thomas, the Gospel of Thomas. So this is why they had to kind of agree, okay, which which are the ones that we understand to be authoritative here? So um, there did seem to be an expectation that things were going to take place, the full resolution were going to be ta- taking place shortly. But of course, the, the disciples have gotten things wrong in the past, okay? Um, and uh, Jesus made it clear that there is a— but immaterial element of the kingdom that would would be first and foremost. He tells uh, Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world, okay? And um, if it was, then my angels would be coming right now to rescue me, all right? There is a spiritual dimension of the kingdom that is being advanced, not the physical kingdom. And the disciples, even in Acts chapter 1, um, is it now that you will restore? I think the language is kingdom language there, uh, the the kingdom or something like that to uh, Jerusalem. I'll, I'll get it quickly here. Oh, Amy's fast. I'm turning pages. She's punching. <laughs> she's punching key. No, he thinks, but she's going to be faster than me. Okay. Oh, I got it. <laughs> Um, da, 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 the day when he was taken up, the apostles made many convincing crews. They gathering together, he said, Father, watch, da da him <laughs> <Naptized, anyway. laughs> come together, Lord. Is this the time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs, which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power to be my witnesses, Judea. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth." Now, this seems to me a fairly clear indication that the Second Coming will not be, and the initiation of this kingdom to Israel, the way they understand it. By the way, they understood this even after three and a half years with Jesus. They understood that national Israel was still part of the kingdom promise. And Jesus doesn't take exception with that. He simply makes a point about the timing. And first, you got a job to do. It's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, that's a big job. And so that citation there makes it clear to me that Jesus did not mean to communicate that he was going to be coming like. Next week, next month, whatever.
0: Isn't there a verse I, I about the gospel going out to the whole world or pre- being preached to the whole world in Revelation? And, or so? I can't remember. Or what am I thinking of here?
1: Well, Matthew 24, and then the end shall come. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's. I think that's also—it's the Olivet Discourse. Uh, it's in Luke 21, Mark 13, and Matthew 24. So that combination there you see. But I think Matthew 24 identifies that particular point. So uh, I would just disagree with— Bart Ehrman and others, that Jesus intended to return, thought he was going to return in their lifetime, because you have these other statements. Yes, there are some statements that suggest that, but then there's these other statements, too. So I think this is mysterious. You can't say with a certainty that this is what Jesus had in mind. But the disciples seemed, the subsequent disciples seemed to understand, well, this is probably going to happen pretty quickly. And then they realized, well, it's not happening pretty quickly. Well, also they like had to the
0: Thessalonians. Push.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. There you go.
0: <laughs> when Paul had to say, "Some of you aren't doing anything because you think Jesus is coming back yeah, right away."
1: Right. Yeah, that's Second Thessalonians, yeah. right? And apostasy comes first, then the uh, the man of lawlessness will be revealed, etc. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Anyway, um, I, I I just. I understand why this issue would come up because it's there's ambiguity and equivocation in passages, but it isn't like that view that Jesus really believed he was going to come back shortly is uh, is was in fact Jesus' teaching. And Acts chapter one um, is an example of a statement of Jesus that seems to indicate a much longer period of time. The uttermost parts of the earth.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that the verse that plays into this for people is the one where he says, this generation will not pass away. So no. the question of how to interpret that, I think I think there's some question to it. In fact, I'm just going to throw an idea out there that I've been playing with that, that struck me the last time I read it. Um, the word generation is sometimes used for people or people who are like each other. And that whole passage is in a section about people who are persecuting. And so I've been wondering, and i just throwing this out there as a speculation, but I've been wondering if he's talking about the people who will persecute you will not pass away until all this is over. Like, don't mm. expect that this is going to oh, end interesting, yeah. because he's talking about all the ways they will be persecuted. And then he says, and this generation will not pass away. So I, I'm kind of playing with that idea right now and huh, reading that's it in Interesting. that.
1: I hadn't heard of that. Some people will take the same point and apply it to Israel. This group of people, Israel, will not pass away into all these things. So that is a comment that is pointing out to the durability of the nation of Israel, which, of course, we've seen mm-hmm. amazingly over 2,000 years. Um, yet... Um, I've never heard this option, and I think this may be an option and as well. I just to be
0: fair, it. I haven't heard it either. It's okay. just something that came, that was an idea I'm kind New of reading doctrine. It to see if it works out. But
1: You heard it here first, <laughs> folks. That is Amy Hall.
0: <laughs> but it is true that that word is used for a people group rather than just like a 40-year span. Yes, of, that's right. Uh, so that is a possibility for that. and And, and the thing is, it's not— we don't judge all of Christianity by this one thing. When there, when you come across something that you're not quite sure about, you don't drop everything that you are sure about because this one thing you can't make sense of. Right. You look at the whole web of everything we believe, the resurrection, the evidence for the resurrection, the all these other aspects of Christianity, and you come to this one and you say, well, it's not a slam dunk that he, he thought this—there are different ways to look at this— so until I know which way to look at it, I'll I'll withhold judgment about how to interpret it. But I have no reason to think that this is the one thing that proves Christianity wrong.
1: Uh-huh.
0: All right, Greg, let's oh, do we want to do one more? Let's do one more. Okay. And we might go over, but oh well. <laughs> this one comes from James. What part does Jesus' resurrection play in salvation? If he didn't rise from the dead, wouldn't our sins have still been paid for by his death? Does the resurrection seal the deal in some way, or does it accomplish something separate?
1: Well, um, a simple way of answering this is to go through your text and find every place where the resurrection is mentioned and see what the text or the writer says about the resurrection. There's one passage says that he was raised for our justification. Okay, so um, the I, salvation is a big giant package. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on. It's uh, and and part of it is is payment of the debt, but also part of it is victory over death. And so um, remember in the prophecy the veiled prophecy in genesis 3 you will wound him on the heel and he will wound you on the head something to that effect speaking of of the seed of woman understood there to be the messiah and the snake understood to be satan so the messiah would be wounded on the heel but satan would be wounded on the head there would be a wound that's that but not mortal to the messiah but not in a certain sense ultimately mortal, but a a mortal wound to to, to Satan. It's interesting, if you smash the snake's head with your heel, it can hurt your heel, but it kills the snake. That's kind of the picture there. So, what Jesus died, but, but rising again, showed that his death was not, in a sense, I was going to say terminal, but... Death is terminal but but his resurrection shows the death was temporary, and he defeated death for all of us, okay Death wears your sting, first corinthians fifteen right and so uh jesus um Jesus' resurrection was important to accomplish other things, it somehow sealed. The, uh, the the justification that we we have. Now I'm, I don't know if I'm the in the best position to give you the entire calculus of that, but it does say race for our justification okay And there are other passages to talk about the role the resurrection, plays in the package of salvation. And that would be a good thing to go back and check out. That's the way to answer the question. Go back and see what the text says about the impact of the resurrection and the role it plays in the larger picture.
0: So let me add a couple things onto that, Greg. One thing, when you're talking about him overcoming death, Romans 6 talks about how we die with him, we're buried with him, and then we're raised with him. So he was the first fruits and were raised in him by virtue of being joined to him. So without him being raised, we wouldn't be raised. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. So that's, okay. that's for our resurrections. in addition to for our justification. When it comes to justification, what I think is that uh, if you go to Hebrews and you look at Hebrews 7 through 10, you'll see that Jesus had to enter into the heavenly temple not built with human hands. The temple that—the temple on earth, the tabernacle on earth was built— to represent. Mm-hmm. So the the tabernacle on earth was just a shadow of what was what what it was supposed to represent and the and what it was representing was the temple in heaven where Jesus had to enter into with his blood because that's the other point that Hebrews makes mm-hmm. on on earth in the tabernacle you have the blood of bulls and goats which can never take away sins. Right. But Jesus entered into the heavenly temple with his own blood and he applied that blood in front of the father to attain our justification. So I think that's how it plays into it. He's our high priest. And were he not raised, he could not be our high priest. Mm -hmm. So I think people miss that aspect of who Jesus is. He's he's not just our Savior, he's our high priest Mm -hmm. in front of God. So that's in Hebrews uh, 7 through 10. And then one last thing, um, Romans 1, 4 talks about how Jesus is declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from right. the dead. So it also declares who he is mm-hmm. and his divinity and uh, and his role as the Messiah. So right. I think it's doing a lot. There's probably other things it's doing also, but mm-hmm. all these things play into it, I right. think. Well done. Well, we didn't go over too much, Greg. Nope. <laughs> Well, thank you, Asif and Ronnie and James. We love hearing from you. If you have a question, make sure you send it on Twitter with the hashtag STRask or through our website at str.org. This is Amy Hall and Greg Kokel for Stand to Reason.